Hello, and welcome to our February 26, 2019 episode of PwC's Accounting and Reporting Podcast Series. I'm Heather Horn, a partner in our national office, and I'll be your host today. Today, we're addressing another topic that's frequently and increasingly in the news. That's the topic of sustainability reporting, or, as you'll learn today, also referred to as ESG reporting. I'm joined today by Sarah D. Smith, who's our leading advisor on sustainability and corporate reporting. She's going to walk us through five things we need to know on this topic. Before we get into the specifics, for those of our listeners who haven't been following this as carefully, can you just frame for us first what we mean when we say sustainability reporting? Sure, yeah. So sustainability reporting is sometimes uh, a little bit confused. There's some confusion in the marketplace about what exactly it means. Um, Naturally, people think uh, this is the green agenda or climate change or something or your carbon footprint, but it's actually a lot broader set of, uh, of topics. Think about it as anything that allows a company to sustain its long-term value creation. So it can be anything from how you manage uh, data, privacy, cybersecurity, human rights in the supply chain, um, water scarcity if you're in a water-intensive um, industry. So a uh, broad spectrum across the E, S, and G Uh, Categories. So sometimes we use sustainability and ESG interchangeably, and that stands for environmental, social, and governance. I was about to ask you that question, so (laughs) thank you for that. So, Sarah, then how are companies reporting on this today? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's something that's that's certainly evolving. So this is taking the form of think of non-financial reporting, which can be both qualitative. Companies can explain their strategy around different topics, and it can also be quantitative. So there's metrics that are attached to each of these material topics that, so they can measure um, progress against goals. Today, most companies are reporting this type of information, this type of non-financial information, in a corporate social responsibility or a CSR report that they, that they produce annually, or they're embedding it on a website, a corporate website, where they're tracking their goals and their metrics and the progress against those But definitely the trend that we're seeing is toward integrated reporting. Uh, This is what you'll see in Europe and Asia. A lot more larger public companies are starting to produce an annual report that meshes together and integrates both their non-financial factors and their their financial factors. So Sarah, how are investors then using all of these different types of information? Yeah, that's uh, that's an important point. Um, And I think it's important to point out before I dive into that, there's absolutely a... um, a gap. And in fact, we published uh, on February 13th uh, our publication called ESG Pulse 2019. It's called Mind the Gap, uh, the Continued Divide Between Investors and Corporates on ESG. Um, so yeah, there, there has been a, just to talk about the investors for a minute, there's been quite a significant shift into passive investing over the past decade, um, really such that more investors than ever are holding for the long term, and they're really looking for differentiators to help them find the best companies that are going to be able to provide long-term value creation on a sustainable basis. So increasingly, the things that they're looking for to find those differentiators are these non-financial factors that drive that long-term sustainability. So what, are, what do investors really want when they're looking for that information? They really want indications of strong governance over these risks and opportunities, um, so our company's talking about them. Is the board involved? Um, they really want transparency on how material ESG topics are being managed and measured. So are you setting goals? Is the company setting goals? What are the metrics that they're using in order to measure progress against those goals? And really importantly, they want consistent use of those metrics, so consistent use of standards for reporting so that they can p- compare apples to apples across companies within the same sector. And importantly, they want 
investor quality data when companies are reporting this information, and that's a real challenge for a lot of companies because this is outside of the normal corporate reporting function often, and they don't have the rigor, the background in controls and process that the financial reporting function has. So investors are really asking companies to up their game when they're, when they're considering reporting this type of um, sustainability information. Okay, so I definitely can understand why investors um, would want that information. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you another question about reporting on it. But before we do that, you mentioned the gap between investors and corporates. So what would be a corporate point of view or a typical corporate point of view on providing this information and on what should be disclosed? Yeah, so it's funny because corporates you know we're often we get into these conversations with them and they'll say to us well look we're already doing great things in the sustainability space um, but we're not getting recognized for for what we're doing and that's that starts the whole reporting conversation with them um, they also have so if part of it is figuring out how to report this information effectively um, but they also have before they even get there they have a hard time figuring out what's important and material to investors versus a broader stakeholder group of uh, of stakeholders like employees or the communities that they operate in or, or regulators or others. The investors that show up on an analyst call uh, often don't ask about ESG, so corporates think that it's not very important. And then they find out you know, after the fact that, geez, there's all these ratings agencies out there like MSCI and Sustainalytics and DJSI, which are taking publicly available information on these corporates, uh, scraping that information from publicly available sites, and then ranking companies, whether they know it or not, uh, into these sustainability indices. And so often we'll get into a conversation with a corporate that will say, oh, we just found out we're at the bottom of the list in our industry group and help us figure out what we should be doing. Um, so companies often find themselves reacting to uh, investor questionnaires and investor surveys to try to combat this, this gap in information. And that becomes a very cumbersome process for companies to keep up with when they're trying to answer upward of you know, 50 to 100 different surveys and questionnaires a year. So our advice to companies has been the best course of action is to really take control of your own sustainability story. So engage with your investors and figure out what's material, what they're interested in. Talk to the right, um, the, the right group of investors that can have that conversation with you. And then really take the bull by the horns, control your own story, publish it uh, effectively with good data, and that calms down the noise between what investors are asking for and what you can provide. So, Sarah, then, you talked about the reporting that's being done now, and then we obviously talked about the sort of different points of views on that, but I know that the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board published some reporting standards in November 2018. How does that fit into this whole discussion? Yeah, it, that was. Uh, we were thrilled to see that the SASB finally codified and issued um, their sustainability standards uh, back in November. So, just what are the sustainability accounting standards? This was the conclusion of a multi-year process um, that SASB started probably seven or eight years ago between investors and corporates, really trying to work out and identify what are the material topics on a sector by sector, industry group industry group basis. What are the topics that have the highest likelihood of having a material financial impact on companies in that sector? So the SASB standards were specifically designed with investors in mind, so topics and metrics that would have a material financial impact on a company, and originally intended for use in a company's 10K filing, so you know, their, their, their regulatory filings. 
So companies are trying to figure out what's important. SASB is a great place to start. You can look at your industry designation, and that will give you at least an idea of what institutional investors that follow that sector may be interested in. Um, I say it's a good place to start because the SASB standards are completely voluntary to, to adopt. There's, we have no regulatory mandate yet here in the U.S. Uh, for companies to have to report this kind of information. And just an important point, a company can, can apply any or all of the SASB standards from their sector, or they can choose from SASB topics and metrics from any other industry designation that they want. Um, so it's not a it's not like a set of FASB standards where you must adopt the entire revenue recognition standard. Everyone has to do it. It's it's more of a voluntary selection basis. Yeah, and actually, Sarah, that was one of the things when I was looking at this that I think I was a little surprised that it's almost like a menu that you can kind of go through and and pick and choose and say this works for my company. This might be something that I consider later, and at least use this as a starting point to maybe address some of these issues is that yeah that's that's absolutely right i mean and especially for big global conglomerates they've got you know they're not one industry alone they they cover a lot of different ground so in that case it makes a lot of sense for companies to look across a lot of different industry sectors and i have to make the point sasb isn't the only game out there um Another effort that has uh, come come to the fore in the U.S. here has been uh, industry groups coming together and working on a very proactive basis with their sector analysts and their institutional investors. A great example of that is the Edison Electrical Institute, EEI. So they convened um, a very rigorous process on their own, brought in uh, the institutional investors for their sector and had a very robust discussion and came up with a set of topics and metrics that they felt were more appropriate for their for their industry than even SASB had designed. So we're all for those types of um, investor engagement and coming up. It's, it's really all about connecting and figuring out what's important to um, to investors in your sector. Well, so I'm from the utility sector, so thank you for giving the props to <laughs> yep. uh, the utilities for being the ones sort of at some of the forefront of this. And actually, when we say at the forefront, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about these different perspectives is we are almost stereotyping in a way, right? Investors think this, corporates are doing this. And I think it's important, some of our listeners may be thinking, well, but I already am on top of this, or my company is doing this. So maybe as our final topic today, from those best practices that we see and that are developing, what would we recommend that corporates should focus on as they're trying to make progress on their sustainability reporting? Sure. So um, I mentioned engagement with the investor group. So I would say proactively engage with portfolio managers and analysts. Uh, first, to understand how they're integrating ESG into their investment decisions, um, and also to provide the company's own view or the company's own vision of what they think is important or material, because that that's part of the gap, too, is investors might think that this is a material topic for this company, but management knows their company best so it's taking control of the messaging with with the the investors that are interested in you Um, and then I guess once that's identified really start to build a rigorous process for data collection so similar to how you operate with disclosure committees for financial statements um, you need to implement controls you know investors I said they want high quality investor grade data Um, a great way to signal that you're taking this seriously is to actually have it independently assured 
And as, as, as your independent accountants, PwC is there to work with you. We issue um, attestation reports on sustainability metrics every year. So, Sarah, where in the organization does this normally – who is pushing this typically in the organization? That's something that's also evolving. So five years ago, this was usually um, a sustainability team that was off operating on its own and was not – generally integrated with the rest of, you know, sometimes it was integrated with corporate communications or investor relations, but increasingly we're seeing ownership because these are topics that are important to uh, to the investor, <laughs> to investors, it's elevating up. So uh, corporate secretaries, general counsel in some cases, the chief risk officer of the company, um, and even the CFO is, is involved these days. Because yeah, I was thinking when you're talking about processes and controls, think what our listeners are really going to bring to the table then is the experience in reporting and setting up processes and controls, et cetera. So I think it will be important to understand environmental, social governance reporting, uh, your ESG, um, really to understand some of what's out there in this landscape and then how their organizations can be contributing to their broader company's goals. That's right. That's right. So a lot of it is I'd also say start to connect the dots between the sustainability team, investor relations, finance, and the risk organization. Part of that will be an education process to you know, get everyone familiar with these are non-financial drivers of your strategy. Everybody has to think about you know, not just the bottom line, but also these are the, these are the activities, the values, the purposes that, that a company has taken on that are going to allow them to be long-term viable. That's right. And I think that's where then you really get into the accounting questions of those are intangible assets of the company that aren't on the books <laughs> and you know how should we how should we be treating those? But that is obviously not a topic for discussion today. So Thanks. Sarah, thank you so much. It's really helpful. Um, appreciate you joining us and for our listeners, I would definitely encourage you to check out our publications on this topic. I read the publication Sarah was referring to, found it very helpful just to get grounded in the debate and the discussion, and um, look forward to continuing talking about this um, with you. Thanks. For PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.